Hi, and welcome to the Red Tunic Podcast, a podcast where I look to rediscover what makes gaming fun and enjoyable by having a positive conversation with those related to the industry. My name is Link, and today I'm joined by Lou Nascimento, art director and co-founder at Bunny Hugs, creators of Moonglow Bay, with experience as a visual artist and contributions to several games, including Wargroove and Time Spinner. Hi, Lou. How are you doing today? Hi. I'm doing really good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks for asking. Thank you for having me. No worries. Thank you so much for making time and, you know, for, for agreeing to do this with me. Oh, of course, and I'm sorry for getting late again. Oh, my God. No, no worries whatsoever. Life happens. You know, it is what it is. It's it's all good. So, Lou, just uh, for, for those that might not know a lot about you or know who you are, would you mind just, you know, giving, talk, telling us a little bit about yourself? Uh, so, hi, I'm Lou. I come from Brazil, from the countryside-ish of Brazil. I I grew up loving games and fashion and eventually I picked one and now I'm living in the UK working like working on the studio that confounded with my husband and yeah and I have three dogs I guess and that's that's relevant information. Well whatever you feel is relevant is perfectly fine by me. Um, and thank you so much for for sharing that. And you know that's that's quite a bit of a a, a journey or a, a travel plan, I guess, if I might say. You know, because um, I did read uh, briefly about you that you know you went from Brazil to Canada. Uh, if I may infer that that's also where you met your husband, because he is yeah. also from Canada, and now to the UK. So that's a, a pretty a pretty interesting um, migration pattern, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, it was, so the objective was actually me just going to Canada and staying in Canada, but initially I was going to Canada to just stay for a few months so I could figure out where where I wanted to live, if if like I, I liked the country as much as I did the previous time that I visited it, and and then I would eventually go back to Brazil and search for a job with a visa in Canada, but while I was in Canada... I got, I saw opportunity to work at Chucklefish as a pixel artist and I applied and they were in London. So I ended up like moving across the pond. <laughs> uh, yes. So I was in Montreal for, for a bit. Then I also lived, like lived a few months in Toronto and that's when I got the, the job at Chucklefish in London. Uh, but I also always liked the UK, like as a kid. But the at the end of the day, I think the goal was for me to be in Canada, and I ended up like missing the target a little bit. <laughs> oh well, again, thank you for sharing that, and that's you know, that's that's really interesting. And you know, y- yes, I I would say you you missed the target just by by an ocean, give or take. Um, yeah. But hopefully, you are enjoying where you have landed and how your life has your how your life has planned out or panned out if you will i definitely am like i did not have a good time in london that was pure chaos for me but after two years two years and a half we moved up to the area of newcastle upon tyne and we are loving it people here are super friendly we have a really nice life we have three dogs and we have friends and in a little house that we take care of and Things are things are great, even though I missed the target. 
<laughs> well, that's great to hear. And, you know, I can, I'm going to make some uh, assumptions here. So I apologize if I'm too far off. But, you know, based on you saying you're from, you know, the countryside-ish of Brazil, I can, I can definitely understand why London among many other reasons i'm sure that we don't have to get into but you know as a as a pretty large city that's rather chaotic from my understanding i can definitely understand liking a, a little bit of a smaller place if that makes sense yeah so i i was born in sao paulo which is absolutely gigantic but then i moved i moved to in Camp to campinas which is way smaller but i was in a really tiny neighborhood uh and that was my life, like a tiny, tiny, tiny neighborhood. And then, and I really enjoyed it. It was good. I was not anxious about my surroundings. And all of a sudden, London is like a lot to deal with. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I can, I can definitely understand that. Uh, I, I personally grew up in um, two small uh, towns, if you will, um, you know, with a, a very, a very small population. Um and then, you know, the few times that I would have went to Toronto, um, you know, the, the, well, how, well, I, I really loved the, the energy, how large it is. I imagine, you know, coming from a small place to such a big place permanently would probably have done a little more to my mental energy, I guess, than, than I'd like to think on or accept now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like... It feels like your brain is turned 24-7. You don't have, like, some downtime. And I imagine in Canada, if it's a small town, it's, like, really, really small. Because Zach also came from from small... Like, he lived for a long time in, a, in small towns. And he says, like, it's minuscule. Yes. Um, in my case, the small town, um, the actual town, because in Canada, I don't know how, how predominant it is to do this elsewhere... Uh, but when they, they like join up and they have municipalities and those are larger areas or what have you. Yeah. Um, in my case, the, the town I grew up in, um, for the most part, what only, you know, was like 6,000 people at, oh my God. at best. Um, and I can say this with absolute confidence. I have drawn by, drove by apartment buildings, um, with more people that live in them. As well, when I went to uh, the Penny Arcade Expo in the past, I have been in an area with more people standing shoulder to shoulder than my town has in, in total. Oh so, yeah, um, I, would, I would say that Zach is spot on in saying it's, it's minuscule in comparison. Yeah, because like my, my countryside, smaller town than, than Sao Paulo, the, the place that I grew up, was still pretty big. The the city itself had like a million people living in it. It's just the neighborhood felt like a small town. A small town. But yeah, the, the difference is, is very contrasting. Yes, I can definitely understand that because it, yeah, it makes perfect sense. So, yeah. Lou, if you don't mind um, changing the subject a little, oh, I'm just first... curious, how did you get into developing and making games? So I I used to as a kid I used to just play games like uh Pokemon and Ragnarok Online and Pokemon was always with sorry to say that it was always with emulators and it were like games that were much older than 
the, the current Pokemon generation that I was living in because my computer couldn't handle much. Uh, so I kept started playing those games and I noticed that through searching that I could edit those games with Ragnarok Online. I I used to make like custom servers so I could make my own items in the game and be able to see my character using those items. So I was kind of <laughs> playing playing it alone in a MMO just because I wanted to see the custom items. And with Pokemon, I kept like ra uh, hacking rooms, rooms, and with that, I, I kind of like grew up doing a lot of that and also making pixel art and pixel dolls for a long time. And growing up in those forums on the internet, I kind of found out that people people are actually the, the ones that make games, not like games don't just all of a sudden appear in front of you after you buy a console, which is, it's really weird to say that, but like, that was when my kid brain imagined it happened. So after I found out and I was in high school, I was kind of deciding between, between my two passions, which was fashion and games. And in fashion, I felt like culturally I would fit much less and I was already tired of not being happy at school so I went for for games because there was a little games course in, in a high school so it's sort of like a college or a CJEP and from then on after after working a couple in two jobs that were not game related so it was graphic design and then 2D animation I started freelancing for indie games that was in a freelance for indie game started in 2013. And Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Oh, Please no, continue. no worries. Oh, no, it's just I have been in games ever since. And, you know, thank you for sharing that. And that's that's great to hear, um, you know, and just I I can definitely relate to, to, to some of the trajectory you have. I didn't end up in the same place, mind you, but, you know, with with creating custom items in, in Ragnarok online and just seeing how things happened with that and getting to do that. That's, that is something I very much also did a lot of when I was younger. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> uh, it's always fun to speak with someone that uh, has fond memories of Ragnarok online only because it, for whatever reason, doesn't seem to have as many people that are, remember it now. Um, yeah. Which is that, wild, but that catches me off guard because every time I mention it, people always have like a question mark on the middle of their face, as if like, <laughs> what, what is Hagenark Online and why you're making custom servers for it? And I'm so glad to find someone else that was also playing it. And you know, just for the for the one of the answers for why you create a custom servers, you know, because you forgot or for whatever reason the effects toggle didn't work and you were just tired of Pantera being lagged mindlessly by oh, everyone yes. using spells everywhere, right? Oh my god, yeah. Or sometimes I would try to walk in any of the towns in the in the other custom servers and everyone would be selling stuff and I couldn't even find my character to begin with. And there's always like someone poking you and saying, "Oh, this item that you were wearing, can can I buy it? Can you give it to me? Do you want to go get married and then we can trade gold and stuff?" So I was just kind of, kind of being introverted even in the MMO and wanting to be left alone as well. 
and you know, I can definitely relate to a lot of that, you know, as someone that played a lot of private servers when I was younger, um, you know, some really big ones, uh, I, I typically resonated to the much smaller ones um, because, you know, it was easier to make friends there and, and all of that. Uh, but it was also much easier to avoid a lot of the annoying downfalls of, you know, people wanting to get your items and, you know, you're, you're just happy. I don't know. You're just happy being a, a an agility knight going around smacking things. You don't want, well, you don't want the headache of someone trying to steal the one or two things that makes your build viable. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or, uh, or be tricked. That I think the, like the last drop in the bucket for me to stop going big servers was I was really young when I was playing it and someone said they would help me with a problem that I was having and they were supposed to be a friend that I've been talking to for a while. So I trusted them with my account and when they logged in and they were going to fix stuff for me and no. when I came back to my account, my character was completely emptied out, no money, no no equipment, no nothing. So I was like, I'm going to go to either small servers or do my own servers and not deal with this. Yeah, and I'm sorry that had to happen to you, but I'm so I'm good. glad that you were able to bounce back and, you know, find a better or easier way to enjoy it for yourself. Oh yeah, I I even nowadays I still kind of want to go back and play because I love that game so much. And it's so beautiful too. I just like staring at it sometimes. You know, I I also have that 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 calling, I think um and it's it's the only thing that's ever really stopped me is the fact that I have not fully commit just to spending the 10 minutes of Googling how to set up a private server for myself. <laughs> I, I completely understand. I feel like I'm kind of in the same boat of wanting to play, but I don't want to have all the, the work and I don't want to find the perfect server or don't want to make the, the perfect server. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, Lou, I'm just going to kind of curve it back here a little. Uh, yeah. But based on your experiences uh, with, you know, uh, your, your experiences from, you know, how you got into developing and making games, is there any advice for those you have for those seeking to maybe get involved in the industry? Uh, and, you know, we can, we can leave out the don't get scammed in Ragnarok online if you'd like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, if if he helps on your path and encourages you, it could it you can you can try to get that as well. But I think with games, one thing I don't know if the the advice is still valid. And I know like game jams are kind of hard on your body in general. But as as I was starting, so I was doing the the course in game design and the and the not only the course in game design, but I was also interested in in learning more about making art for for games. And my course wasn't teaching anything very useful at all because it was a really new course. Uh, I did loads of game global game jam or local game jams, and those taught me so much more than the course could ever teach me. And it actually gave me enough of a portfolio fast enough that I had stuff to show in, on, on Reddit or Pixel Joint and even in, I forgot the name, there was a 
there was a forum that had like a the icon was a little joystick and it was the background was blue but I, I don't remember the photo anymore and I just posted my portfolio there and sometimes I would just see people that were looking for freelancers for their games and just offer my my ser- my services as a, as a freelance artist and pixel art specifically and that's kind of how I got my first opportunities was just showing the stuff that I did in game jams and that helped me a lot so I don't know if it's still working today but highly recommend it thank you for for sharing that and you know I'm I'm no expert on saying what does and doesn't work uh, but my view is you know any advice is valid advice because you know uh, l- those kind of life experiences um, I I feel are are usually pretty transferable because it's you know it's one person sharing their wisdom and you know your wisdom in this scenario is you know the, the game jams and such and I I don't think I don't think it's never it's ever not valid I know that's a weird way to phrase what I just said but I think it's always valid when you're sharing um, wisdom that is sometimes hard learned if that makes any sense so thank you oh, I'm glad. <laughs> And you're welcome. Yeah, I'm. I'm happy I can share it. And I think another thing actually would be one thing that I learned during a concept art course that I was doing is that as a if you're an artist specifically, half of your job is being a marketer of yourself. So you need to market your skills. You need to sell. Uh, you need to present your portfolio well. You need to actually go and look for people that are interested in in working with you and as you grow as an artist and you, you get more recognition and you're tied to bigger projects, it gets easier and there's less of this marketing to be done. But right at the beginning, I would say almost 60% of my career was just marketing myself and making sure I was visible so people could reach to reach me. So yeah, that's the I, more valid, more recent advice, I guess. <laughs> And, you know, thank you for sharing that as well, because I can, I definitely understand uh, what you're saying. And I think many others can also relate and understand to, to that as well uh, across many different fields. And, you know, I think that is something that also needs to be kept in mind because, well, definitely luck is a, is a factor in it. And I don't, I don't mean to discredit or dismiss anything that you said or, your, you know, how you got here uh, to say it's all entirely luck because, you know, as you said, um, yeah, as you said yourself, you were always, you know, in the early stages, especially you were, you were focusing on marketing yourself and, and, you know, finding, you know, clients that you can sell yourself to, to say, Hey, this is the, what I do. And, and, you know, this is how I do it well and all that fun stuff. Um, it's always important to keep that in mind. Cause a lot of people, I think just, uh, if I might, uh, they kind of just think, well, I've done this thing. I've put it out there. And now it's going to exist and someone, it's going to be a, a huge hit. Similar to how uh, for you early on as a child, you thought video games just came into existence after you bought, you know, the, the Game Boy or the Super Nintendo or what have you. And it's always good to hear people saying, you know, no, you have to work at it. You have to find ways to do it. You have to figure that out. So that way people know you exist. And the, I'm going to say the right people um, in this yeah. case, it would, the context would be, you know, people that want to hire you or, or, or what have you, um, a big umbrella there of right people. 
know know where you are, know who you are, and know how how to be in touch with you, right? Yeah, definitely. I f- I felt like I was looking for freelance work for a really long time and jobs in as an artist in general. And after that course and after that that teacher it was actually he he's a really good concept artist. If anyone wants to check, his name is Bobby Shu. Uh, after he said that, I was I was like, so so that's. That's why nobody has been seeing the things that I I've been doing, and nobody has been is interest interested at it, on it because they're not just gonna appear on my feed out of nowhere and like my stuff. I I need to be able to to reach them. It's that that's part of my job as an artist, and it's it is a little bit it's it was a little bit crushing as well because you notice that. So much of job, at least nowadays, especially with social media and internet and Reddit and stuff like that, so much of your job just turns into marketing, but you can make it enjoyable, I think. Uh, I kind of, I kind of, but I do feel like there was a big stroke of luck, especially not having to start right now in which the algorithms for, for social media are a bit way more intense than they were 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, and de- I definitely understand where you're coming from with that, and you know, I I, I understand where you're coming from, and you know, I I agree with with your your view on that. You know that it's for for some things coming now, it's it's going to be always a difficult thing because you know, like you said, ten years ago there was far less. Uh, I'm going to say the crowd was much smaller, or the contributors mm-hmm. were much smaller, at least in terms of online and now you know you can almost just swing a stick wildly on social media and you're going to hit someone that's you know involved in some way shape or form doing you know in the creative fields and they're all struggling or they're all fighting I should say to 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 get their own piece of the pie if that if that analogy makes sense or if it's comparable here oh definitely yeah and it's it, it it in the field now, like the amount of people available and showing their work and their skills is insane, and you kinda gotta work as well on being the best co- work colleague that you can be because in in terms of not being a difficult person to work with, because if you have the skills and you you can get your foot in the door and actually maybe get a job or get a freelance gig but you being a reliable person to work on that work with that is pleasant and that that is kind of yeah that that is pleasant to be to be around and to and receives feedback that is the kind of stuff that actually keeps you in in a job or or in a on a freelance gig or even getting more more jobs that it helps a lot to be the kind of person. You you know definitely yes, and I I understand I agree completely because you know everyone knows in their in their current job in a previous job in a future job, but everyone knows there's that 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 guy or that person that you know they're they're great at what they do, but they're 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 you know they're everything they say is from a point of arrogance or everything they say is from like a weird point of. Sup- 
uh, superiority or something. And, you know, sometimes those people are untouchable. They're a boss or whatever. And you just, you just have to grin and bear it. But then sometimes there are people that they're not that at that level. And, you know, you see them, you see them come, you see them go, or, you know, they, they get uh, black marked or red marked or whatever the term is uh, oh, yeah. in the industry. And, you know, you hear about them through other people and, you know, you don't, you don't want to be that person. Like it's, it's better for you. It's better for, uh, when I say you, I mean like that person that would be potentially that person. Um, but it's better for like you, uh, your coworkers, uh, your, your, your career. It's better for everything really to not be problematic. And I don't mean that in the sense of, oh, you have to go out of your way to be likable and such, but at the same time, you don't, you don't want to be, you don't want to just have everyone hate you because that's, that's not good for, for anyone, right? Yeah, exactly. And sometimes it's just about being communicative and honest. For example, you don't need to crunch horribly to finish something that you said you're going to finish at tomorrow and turns out it was actually a much bigger task. But if, if you notice that that's going to happen, and you tell people, hey, turns out this task is big because of X, Y, and Z. That's why I need to, I'm going to actually finish this on Friday instead of tomorrow, which is, would be, I don't know, Tuesday. People are going to understand it much better than you just being late and keep being late. And it's just very, very basic stuff of not, not hiding what's going on too. Yes, exactly. And I thank you for, 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 for that, for, for, you know, pointing that out. Cause that I also agree is a very important thing to keep in mind and, and, you know, to just be communicative, communicative, uh, cause you know, people are valuable. And when you, when, when people are, even if they're, you know, I'm trying to think of the right way to put this, when you are able to express those kind of weaknesses, even if they're not, you know, major weaknesses uh, in this case you know hey this is a bigger thing than i anticipated or what have you um other people are going to be understanding and that's the what that's how you grow as a human being that's how you can continue moving forward and you know keep keep bettering yourself um i completely agree now to kind of try and shift this away to uh to something that might be a little more positive because i don't want to yeah. i don't want to harp on that guy in the office or that person in the office that we all know too much <laughs> Um, and I think you might have, I don't know if you implicit or if you implied it or, or I just didn't catch it when you said it earlier, but what, it, what was your favorite game as a child? And what was it about that game that made it your favorite? So I had a, I guess a few games that I was always glued to as a kid. Uh, Ragnarok Online was my favorite as a twin for sure. It, it wasn't out when I was a kid yet, or maybe it was, but not in South America. And that was Pokemon. My absolute favorite was uh, Pokemon Yellow, which my my dad put on a very on a computer that was all broken, and then he fixed it fixed it up and put a little emulator in, and I played it for many many hours, and I almost beat it, and then. I didn't know. I was doing all of that on a English version of the game, and I did not speak English at all. Uh, so at some point, I just got stuck, and so I just kept restarting the game and playing all over again, and that was completely fine for 
for me. And the last one was, uh, oh, sorry about that. And the very last one was uh, Harvest Moon, the very first one for Super Nintendo. I loved that game so much. I love how cute it was. I love taking care of the farm and cleaning the farm. And even though it had like a two-year limit to being able to play the game, I would always restart it all over again happily. Those three, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you, you there is a large similarity between us in terms of you know games that we would consider our favorites that resonate. Uh, you know, I I'm not going to say that the same reasons that they resonate, but you know, all of those games you said, I can very much say are fantastic games. I, you know, I okay. I absolutely have fond memories of of Ragnarok. I I don't. That's a whole. That's a whole. I don't want to don't want to go too deep into i'm sure you can understand and relate to, to that because it is dangerous um 100 <laughs> um but i'm i've i find it amusing and fascinating that with with pokemon yellow that's that you started there and you would you know you would get far along or you know wherever and have to restart because it's you were you were playing on real hard mode there because back then rpgs rarely gave you direction after you know you beat the one boss and it's like okay well now you go here but if you stop playing for a bit you don't get another prompt to do that so you know a lot of games uh, rpgs for for me and people i spoke to you know that was the end they put it down for a week and forgot everything but you were playing it even harder because even when they said okay well now you have to go here you <laughs> you didn't understand it so it was even worse for you that you had to uh, <laughs> i'm gonna say just blindly hope you landed in the right direction oh it was totally that and i remember i kept poking my parents all of the time and my my parents they don't mind games my dad specifically he's not a big fan so i would just be bothering my dad all of the time and he would say i don't know what's written in the screen i also don't speak this language so it was it was just It was just, I loved the game so much. I loved all the characters so much. And I, also the, the fact that there was the the animation going along with it back then made it made it so like it was not as hard because it felt like the, the arc of the animation was a bit of a guide to how to play the game. But I could not play games like Final Fantasy, for example, because it was a bit more text-reliant, in my opinion, to, uh, than Pokemon. So I would pick it up, find it beautiful, and then play five minutes and not be able to understand much yeah and you know i i i can understand that i'm, I'm i can't exactly relate to it for obvious reasons i've <laughs> i i've been blessed with being english or having english as my primary language and a lot of games come to english so i i can't relate to it to you on that but i can definitely sympathize with you know wanting to experience something like that and not having the ability to at the time. And I really hope that now uh, for, for some of those older games, you've been able to maybe make time and go back and re-experience them with, uh, with a better understanding. And I, I think now even a lot of those games probably even have, uh, uh, is it Portuguese or Spanish? Yeah, I don't Portuguese. Portuguese? Uh, I think now many of them might even have Portuguese translations, hopefully at least. So even, 
even then it could just be much easier uh for you you know oh definitely kind of especially harvest moon and pokemon i stuck to that those series throughout my entire life whenever there's a new iteration be bad be good i will will try it i will play it i i kind of relived the pokemon yellow phase by by playing i think it was leaf green pokemon leaf green when it came out i was i knew a very very basic english back after when i was playing that game and and i went back a few times but i think in that case being an adult and replaying something that i played so many times i was just like okay yeah i'm I'm good i i did all of this i i almost finished the game so i'll I'll keep to the memories and then i'll keep playing the remakes instead and i'm i was happy doing that definitely and you know i just as an aside before because i want to i want to talk about harvest moon for a moment as well um but if if you do have the time the let's go pikachu or let's go eevee those Uh... i found were wonderful wonderfully more relaxed versions of the pokemon games if you wanted to re-experience the the first generation um you know the story's a little different what have you what have you but i found it much more enjoyable just to be able to sit relax and not stress oh yeah i I gotta go back to it because i remember buying it starting it and then life became so intense very fast and then i never went back to it and and now I'm holiday, maybe I should. <laughs> well, if you have the time, like I said, I, I found it to be a much more relaxed experience, and I, I had a lot of fun with it. It was... Uh, sounds uh, incredible. For me, it was honestly the most fun I'd had with Pokemon in a long while. Now, and that, I shouldn't... I can't really say that with a lot of um, um, conviction, only because I, I, have, I don't play a lot of Pokemon now. So, uh, but <laughs> it, it was a good thing. It was a good amount of nostalgia being brought back to me that made me feel like a child again is the best way I think I can put it. Oh, I'll, I'll definitely, I'll de- with that review, I'll definitely try to throw this holiday. I, I hope it's not a letdown for you because then it's, then I'm, it's all I'm sure. Me. I'm sure it's not. I'm happy to play Pokemon whenever. <laughs> uh, so because I want to talk about this br- briefly as well, if, if you'll permit it, um, you know, for, for Harvest Moon, you said you've continued to, to play it when new ones come out or what have you. Um, do you have, outside of the Super Nintendo one, because the Super Nintendo one uh, was <clears throat> was absolutely fantastic. Uh, for me personally, the one that hooked me uh, was not the Super Nintendo one for the main reason being I had an argument with my father uh, as a birthday present that I would not like a farming game. So I ended up, I ended up getting hooked on the Game Boy version that a friend had. Uh, where we would huddle around the 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 door in the middle of winter playing it on a Game Boy. Um, so lovely. Uh, that was the only way my hands kept warm. By the way, it was like five of us just huddled around watching a you know little tiny screen. Oh my uh, god, that sounds amazing. It was until you know the the oh, reality yeah. of your fingers. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite since the Super Nintendo one? Like, is there one that stands out? as one that you've really enjoyed, if I might ask? I think the one that... There's two, actually. The I, I really like the pixel art one, especially. So it was More Friends from Mineral Town was... And I think still is one of my favorites. And it was my first 
experience being able to play a relaxing game, not as a boy, but being able to play with a, with a female character, and I was really excited. And I loved how the game looked so much. I would sometimes just stop, take screenshots, and then try to draw how, how all the characters looked. And also, I loved the Harvest Moon DS. The very first one for DS was also beautiful. I loved all the mechanics, and I put hundreds of hours in it. But I think More Friends from Mineral Town was the game that I played the most. I, I would still be happy to go back and play it right now. I still play, and I still play, like recent iterations of Harvest Moon, but the the art on that one, the fact that there's not an overwhelming amount of stuff to do and how the mechanics work is, is just really nice. It's very relaxing. And, you know, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, both of those, I also have very fun memories of it. In, the, in my case, it was um, the regular Friends from Mineral Town the, for the Game Boy Advance was a great experience to effectively play the PlayStation 1 game handheld, more and or less, um, and getting to experience that. And then the DS one as well, which was just more of, I don't, I don't mean this in a negative way, but more of the same. So I'm, you know, I'm glad that you have such fond memories of, of them because, you know, they were, they were fantastic games and it's always great to be able to keep said fond memories, you know? Ah, uh, definitely. I, like, Whenever anyone says anything about favorite games, like Harvest Moon as a series always always stand out to me. Like, it just comes to my mind right away. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, this kind of leads into the next question, I think. Um, so, it, do you have, like, a favorite or a, a favorite comfort game or, you know, a, a best comfort game, so to say? And I, I mean that in the sense of a game that, you know, you can you can pick up and play whenever or no matter what that game is or what have you, it's going to bring you back to the moment that you first tried it. And by that, I mean, like, uh, for me, for example, you know, I still remember the first time I played uh, A Link to the Past on the Super Nintendo. I remember, like, the, the general, like, the feeling of the room, the smell of the room. I Like, it just picking it up brings me back to that moment when I was, like, seven years old sitting on the couch. Do you have any comfort games like that for yourself uh it's it's quite different from the others that i mentioned but uh the civilization series i can play anytime but i shouldn't because it's dangerous i will sink 16 hours of a day into it and not notice that the time has passed i still remember i i was i actually uh learned about the series fairly late i was 2012 I think and I no it was 2011 and I remember I was sitting in a computer uh on uh on the room of my partner at the time and the computer was like in a shelf because there was no second desk for me and I was just I started playing and I was like oh this, this is complicated but I, I'm willing to like give it a try and try to to do well because I wanted to look very very intelligent like with a strategy game <laughs> and i did not notice that 12 hours had passed and everyone had eaten and they had called me to eat and i had said oh i'll, I'll do that I'll, I'll do it later and 
later was 12 hours later and I was still wanting to play and finally got people saying like you should go to sleep because we have work tomorrow and have school as well so that's I, I I think a lot of Civ players can very much relate to what you just said. Um, <laughs> I I personally have not tried to really figure Civ out. Part of it is because of what you just described. I am terrified uh, of the prospect of, you know, 12 hours being gone in the blink of an eye. It's dangerous. <laughs> but I'm... I'm glad that you can, you have a game like that. And I'm glad, in a weird way, I'm glad that it's Civ, just because, like you said, it's so different than the other ones. And it's such an interesting contrast to have, uh, only because, you know, sometimes I think when talking with people, and this is entirely on me, uh, to, to be honest, but sometimes talking with people and they're saying, you know, what their favorite game is or the games we're talking about, and then they throw such a, a an interesting, uh, very different game from that and it's you know it's always a constant reminder that you know there's a lot of games and it's there's a lot of different things that people can enjoy and you know i think sometimes uh i i view i do this and i think other people might as well but sometimes you you know you kind of put people into a box and oh, yeah. seeing them kind of break out of that box with something just as simple as going from harvest moon is one of my favorite game series to well civ's my best comfort game it's it's always fantastic because it just reminds you know reminds me uh, that people are are incredibly complex and you know you you shouldn't you shouldn't intentionally or otherwise try and like put someone into the the view that you have of them because you know that's that's wrong and you know it's you'll it's it's only going to do harm and I don't I don't mean that to say I was you know thinking putting you in a a, a small box or anything <laughs> like that just it just made me think of that and you know in in this case I just sort of used you as the example to kind of ramble on about that <laughs> sorry oh no don't worry it I I completely understand because even sometimes we do that to ourselves that was a good part of my teenage years that I refused to do anything that made me look soft so I would, I abandoned all the other music that I liked and I only listened to metal and, and Japanese rock for a really long time. And I abandoned all the games that I loved and only played FPS, even though they, FPS games, even though they made me super anxious. And I wanted to look tough and I wanted to look like very, very goth, I guess. And so sometimes we even put ourselves in those boxes and forget the hey, there's an entire world out there of, for th of things for you to try and something surprising might be something that you love. You know, I think that's fantastic life advice. So thank you for that. That, And you're right, we should not, we should be careful not to put ourselves in a box or, or create this idea of who we think we need to be instead of just letting ourselves be who we want to be because you know then i'm gonna this is gonna be real clunky to say and i apologize but you know to, okay. to deny yourself of the things that you enjoy or the things that you know you think you'll enjoy or what have you you know that's that's just gonna do harm i don't mean just in video games i mean in general right like for for you it was you wanted to have uh the persona that you were you know that you were tough and you know the way you thought to do that was to as you said kind of be goth and listen to metal and, and play first person shooters. 
And I imagine a lot of people, um, myself to a degree, put themselves in a very similar box in their their you know uh, formative years, if you will. But you know, being comfortable in your own skin is is also very important because you know it it gives you the chance to grow and learn about other things and you know be be aware of other things that might exist because if you if you're only relegating yourself to you know first person shooters you you might never realize that civ exists or you might never realize that a harvest moon game exists and you might not realize just how much you enjoy something that is the complete opposite of what you've been doing and what you've been playing so thank you for that advice because i i agree completely and it's you know I, I, I just think it's fantastic advice, so thank you. I'm glad. It's my pleasure. <laughs> yeah. So, Lou, we've talked a little bit about your, well, a fair bit about the past of things. Uh, I want to kind of bring it current. Uh, mm -hmm. How do you enjoy gaming now, and what is it about the games that, you know, you enjoy now that makes them enjoyable? Uh, I don't play as many games now as I used as a kid uh, used to as a kid because I kind of branched into many hobbies like taking care of plants and sewing and and like playing games and making art but when I do I I kind of I kind of do do tend to play my comfort games a lot but sometimes when I get out of the like comfort zone i play games like disco elysium and i absolutely love it my favorite thing right now is playing playing games in co-op that are not so they don't have a co-op mode to begin with or they're not like or playing games in a unusual way for example with disco elysium zach and i just sat in the living room playing it and he would actually read out loud with different voices all of the all of the different characters and he was having a lot of fun doing that and i loved it and i i used to like help do quick decisions on dialogue choices and like where we were going to go and it was kind of like ba uh, hanging on the back of his shoulder gaming but we have lots of fun doing this kind of stuff we do that a lot with narrative games in general and it's also, I, I love spending quality time with the people that in my life. So it kind of, kind of ties together. And, so, and I've been playing loads of little smaller web ga based games like Gartic Phone or, or Jackbox or uh, Scribble.io because I get to play that with uh, the team that we work with. And it just feels like a very quick warm-up to being able to, to just like have fun and and enjoy ourselves. And other than that, I sometimes play my my Switch. I play the Pokemon the, the Pokemon series or I play uh, I was playing uh, Animal Crossing recently because but I was taking it way too intensely, so rebuilding my entire town. And stuff like that besides the comfort games that I like Civ or or The Sims that I also play a lot of. So thank you for sharing that. I I 
I, I find, you know, the way you describe like Disco Elysium and, and other uh, non-traditionally co-op games, if you will, I find that absolutely wonderful in how you're, 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 how you're experiencing, how you're enjoying them. Um, I think that's absolutely fantastic because, you know, uh, traditionally or typically, you know, those are, are solitary games and, you know, maybe you'll play them and talk to your friend or your partner or, or what have you about what you've done or what you've experienced in them. But to, <laughs> to sit there and in this case, as you said, have, have Zach, uh, voicing all the lines and or reading all the lines in different voices and everything. I think that's a absolutely wonderful thing that you can share with, you know, with, with, with your, your partner, with some close friends or what have you. And it's, you know, it, it, it then becomes like a solo activity is something that while the group isn't potentially as invested in, they get to experience and add to, and everyone gets to have fun. Um, and, you know, uh, as as you also, I, I believe you said, uh, when playing some of the narrative games, having you know it be quick decisions that you might say to do, or or what have you, make the choices. Um, I think that's a hilarious amount of chaos being added into the system. Um, yeah. and I and I say that from the standpoint of. You know, I, I have a very specific way that I will typically play games that are open-ended. Um, you know, for example, if I were playing uh, Fallout 4, and that's only because I'm recently replaying it, um, if, if my significant other, if she was sitting behind me saying, you should say this to this person, you should go do this, um, I am very confident that she would be making suggestions for her own amusement, and that's perfectly fine. <laughs> and it would just be an amount of unbridled chaos to my life and my <laughs> setup that, you know, I might not as enjoy it as much as, you know, if I might make this, this, uh, uh, parallel that Zach might. However, I'm glad that, you know, from my experience with my significant other, I imagine you are absolutely loving the chaos of, you know, him saying, well, I'm going to go in quiet and you're going to no, no, use the big gun and just start blasting or, yeah. or something. Right. Yeah, it's sometimes it does become chaos, but I think with Zach and I, we tend to want to choose the similar dialogue branches. The only contrasting thing is that Zach is a completionist, so he wants to do every single little thing and read every single little tiny thing in the world to 100% everything. And I'm like, I want to go from point from point A, which is the start of the game, to point B, I want to finish the game and then move on. With most games, I'm like that, so it kind of, we gotta find a middle ground of, okay, we're gonna do this side quest, and, and then we're gonna progress with the game, but we're not gonna be doing side quests for 50 hours. Uh, but, but at the end, what happened is that sometimes Zach now finishes games, like, without doing every single little thing and it's fine and sometimes i go and get interested in side quests which which i didn't use to at all so it kind of we kind of balanced each other out in the end after the the loads of chaos of that that being the thing that we disagreed on the most and you know that's also fantastic to hear because you know it's it's uh, being able to you know 
I don't want to say grow because I don't know if that's actually the right way to say this, but you know, having how having how you interact with things influenced by other people and you know kind of as you said balance things out um i i just think that's fantastic because you know it's it's other people might like offer new perspectives and in in this case the perspective that zach might sounds like he was offered was not having to 100 percent everything and you know yours was to maybe see you know that 10 feet over there there was an interesting quest that you otherwise would have missed by just running straight to the next zone or what have you right yeah exactly it, it i know uh, from from playing with zach i noticed that oh actually if the game is well written or has a has good design i and i'm enjoying it maybe i'm gonna also enjoy the side quest and it's just gonna prolong my enjoyment enjoyment a little bit more instead of just being fi finishing the game and feeling like an orph orphan of that series or that game because after it's done, that's it. And I often had the feeling, and it kind of, it kind of manages a little bit. So it feels nice. And you know, at the end of the day, I think that's good that you know that you feel happy with the end result of what you're doing, especially with things that are your downtime, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get a lot of satisfaction of it out of it now, but I. Definitely, sometimes I feel like I don't play as nearly as much as I would like to play, because if I guess it's just adult life kind of kind of brought me to this. But as things get easier and we're I'm working four day weeks now with the studio, maybe I'm gonna be able to catch up on loads of games that I missed. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, hopefully, I I you know I'm I. I will not fault you for wanting to catch up on games or, you know, looking forward to that because I, I'm especially not the person to, to do that. I'm saying I won't <laughs> fault you is a really wrong way to start that. But, you know, I, I think I agree. I understand where you're coming from is that, you know, as you get older, the more responsibilities that come up and the things that you want to do have to compete with the other things that you want to do. But I think at the end of the day, regardless, you know, as long as you're, enjoying your downtime regardless of what it is i think that's also just as important to keep in mind and i say oh, that sure i say that only because you know i have personally been stressed out by the amount of games that i'm like oh i want to play this i want to play that i have this set up to go and then instead of playing it i go and i build a model kit or i watch a tv show and that would weigh on me that would give me anxiety that you know i have all this stuff that i need to get to but oh, yeah it's, I think it's important to also, you know, just allow yourself to breathe and be happy that you're, that you have that moment to breathe, regardless of what it is. Cause you know, if you're, you, you don't need to carry that anxiety of all the, all these games or what have you, right? Like I, you had said you got into um, sewing, I believe it was. And yeah. I don't, I don't think, and I don't, I don't, I'm not saying this is what you do. I, I want to be very careful or careful on that. I don't want to put words in your mouth or pretend that I know, you know, the, the complex nature of you as Lou, but, um, you know, I think it's, it's important to, to keep in, to try and, you know, keep balanced in yourself that just being able to breathe and enjoy yourself regardless is important. And you shouldn't let the other, the other things that you do to help yourself relax 
become stressors, if that makes any sense. Uh, that, that makes total sense. I, I do let everything become, become a stressor pretty much. Uh, like, and I also get weirdly, especially nowadays, I get really focused on really small things that I wasn't even, I, I wasn't even planning to do. And then that makes me stressed out. Like I, I got late today because I was, I decided that I needed to juice all of the lemons that I had before they, they got bad and put them in an ice cube tray and then pop it in the fridge. And I was, I spent much longer on that than I anticipated. I, I don't know how slow I was going, but it, that happens a lot. And all of the time I think, oh, instead of doing that, I could have done it in a, like a regular pace and be playing a game or doing some sewing or just being the sofa with the dogs and I end up like sinking hours into that or watching TikTok nonstop or just scrolling through social media. So I, yeah, I, I do tend to put pressure on everything. And <laughs> on the moments that I lost, lose. And you know, like I said, it's, you don't have to do that to yourself. Um, you know, it's yeah. as long as you're, as long, you know, downtime is downtime. Right. And it's, yeah, I, I only say that because, you know, I can relate. I've muddied the waters of relaxing versus how to relax versus the other ways to relax and then stressing out because the other thing was ignored. And anyway, I, I'm 100% on the same page. I think a lot of people can relate. And, you know, like I said, I think it's important just to remember or try to remember that, you know, our relaxing hobbies aren't competing with each other to help us relax right that's that's very true you're completely right (laughs) now lou i don't want to take up too much more of your time i want to let you get to your you know your saturday evening however if there was anything else you want to discuss you know a cool game uh what you're doing something you feel more people should just be more aware of you know, the floor is all yours as well. Please let everyone know where they can find more information about you, which I'll also be including in the episode description. Well, uh, we, I just released the Mongol Bay with my partner in the rest of our studio, Bunny Hug. It's, I recommend the Steam version because that's the version in which we can update the fastest. We just, we just send an update out with like, one of the most requested features, and it's a relaxing fishing RPG set in Eastern Canada in the 1980s. And I would love for people to give it a try if they if they're able to. Uh, we put a lot of a lot of love into the game, and we're quite proud of it, especially now that we fixed most stuff that that was not like a hundred percent. And yeah, and you can find me on Twitter, most likely, at Violasso, so it's V-I-I-O-L-A-C-U-S. And you can find the studio at Bunny Hug, uh, and Mongol Bay, as Mongol Bay on Twitter. And yeah, that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> well, awesome, and thank you for, for that. I'll, I'll definitely make sure that information is in the description and i also want to apologize i didn't i did not intentionally neglect talking about moonglow bay uh the only reason oh. that being is because I, I i spoke briefly or not i shouldn't say briefly but i spoke um just recently with 
you know, with your partner, Zach, uh, Sora's about uh, a bunch of things, including Moonglow Bay. Uh, oh, so yeah. I, I, I do imagine apologize. that was the reason, don't worry. <laughs> um, but I just, I still, I'd like to apologize. That, that wasn't the intention. I would like to say to you the same as I said to him that, you know, I, I think the, the game is fantastic. I, oh, I'm so glad. I absolutely enjoyed it. It felt, uh, to me, it felt like it nailed, you know, the, the, the relaxing, uh, the, 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 the relaxing nature, but at the same time, it really nailed that small town feel. Um, and as I spoke with Zach about as well, it really nailed the feeling of a East coast Canadian town, as I understand it, um, in the, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly, so to say, due to just the, the 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 nature of those towns that whole another topic that I'm really not um, capable of diving into uh, neither here nor there kind of thing but you know I I just wanted to say that you know to you that the same as I said to him or them sorry that it was a fantastic you know what I played of it is absolutely fantastic I've been enjoying myself uh, you know I I look forward to what more comes from it as well as your your team uh, because. You know the 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 right out the gate the narrative, uh, you know the the narrative theme of it, uh, I. It gives me, and I don't mean this. I don't. I I want to be careful of how I say this, just because there's weird implications for how I say this, or could be, but it gives me a lot of hope for, what the team at at, uh, Bunny Hug, is capable of in the future because you know it's, if you're able to deliver that kind of experience right out the gate uh, i i would i would blindly trust and have the same kind of faith that your future projects would also be able to deliver uh in what they intend to do and i don't mean to say that you know the next project you work on is going to be you know a, a, the same story beats or what have you i just mean that i i fully believe that whatever you do next will be uh incredibly capable of doing what you're setting out to do i know i'm saying that very vaguely and the issue for that is just because the the next project you your the team might be working on may not be fully announced or internalized or what have you so i can't speak to specifics so i apologize for the weird vagueness of everything i'm saying and i really hope it makes sense that, that makes me super happy truly like it feels really nice show the there's hope <laughs> for our team because they're they're a bunch of really lovely people and I'm, I feel really lucky being able to work with all of them and being able to put this game out so yeah makes me ha make, makes me really happy and you know and, and I I don't mean to say this I don't mean this to come off as an arrogant statement uh but you know I, I think you know you and the team should be proud of what you've what you've done because like I said I I really I I really you know think it's a great game for for what I've played I think everything about it is really nice and you know you, the team has no reason to to not be proud of the product that's been delivered or to be continued to update it as you said when you know people you know, with Steam or you can just put out the little bug fixes or what have you um, but yeah no I'm yeah. I don't know where I'm going with that. It's just I think it's a great game. I look forward to what you guys do next. That's lovely. Thank you so much. Anyway, Lou, 
as I said, I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. So if there wasn't anything else you wanted to discuss or make sure people were aware of, I will let you get back to your evening. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I love chatting with you about about games. It's it's a nice change of pace because usually everything is about is intensely about career when it comes to game dev talking to about game dev stuff. So it feels nice and refreshing. Thank you for your kind words. I'm glad you enjoyed the conversation. I definitely enjoyed getting to speak with you. It was, you know, an absolute pleasure. So yeah, no, thank you for the kind words and you're absolutely welcome. I'm glad that uh, it was a nice change of pace for you. Thank you. I'm really glad. So Lou, thanks again for making the time to have this conversation with me. And thank you for joining us on the Red Tunic podcast, as well as a special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for the use of music from the title track from Road Steep. And if you like this podcast and want to support it and help it grow, please subscribe or follow me on Twitter at Red Tunic Podcast to receive the latest episodes and news. And be sure to share with those you think might also enjoy it. Thanks, and until next time.